Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. I'm director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, and zakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my co-guests. And last week, we had Elizabeth Ando, who teaches the sense of traditional Japanese cuisine to non-Japanese people in Japan. And this week, we have another passionate, inspiring American woman in the studio. Um, here we have Nancy Singleton Hachisu, who is a um, long-term resident of Japan and cook on an organic farm near Tokyo and the author of uh, Japanese Farm Food, published in 2012, as well as Preserving Japanese Way, which just came out in August. Also, Nancy actively advocates preservation of uh, artisanal Japanese food production through TV and other media in Japan. Hello, Nancy. Welcome Hello, to the show. Hello, Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so, um, I know that you are um, on a book tour. Yes. And we'll on talk- the end, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Almost <laughs> ending tomorrow. Two more days, yeah. Right. And uh, we'll talk about the book, um, new book in a moment. Mm, but mm-hmm. uh, the first, what brought you to Japan? Ah, well, I was um, in love with sushi, <laughs> but more than that, actually, I was changing my life, and I was going to go to graduate school, and so I thought, hmm, um, if I'm going to get a JD, I may as well put a language in there, too, and what have they been shouting about at that sushi place? So I decided I was going to learn Japanese and and get a master's in East Asian studies along with the JD, mm-hmm. went to Japan for a year thinking I would learn Japanese in uh-huh. a year, but then I got snagged by a cute Japanese farmer and <laughs> <coughs> never um, left. Right. Okay. So that was uh, after you graduated from Stanford. That was 1988. Yeah, but um, I Stanford was at 78. And oh, okay. then for about eight years, eight, nine years, I was um, living and working mm-hmm. in bars and restaurants in San Francisco. Oh, okay. So that was why I wanted to get a real life rather than that kind of life because right. it's a little bit too much fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very dramatic change. Yeah. Right. So, um, but how did you end up living in Japan permanently? Well, like I said, um, I met the guy mm-hmm. and I didn't have any plan or desire to marry a Japanese guy, but it just was what was going to happen. Mm. So, um, and so I stayed. Right. Oh, it sounds like it's really romantic. He was uh, your student, or yeah, yeah, in English conversation class um, in the in the day. I don't know what happens now because I have a preschool. And hopefully, <laughs> this is the teachers are not dating the people, <laughs> the people in the school. But um, in the day, the teachers and the students became friends and often would socialize. Mm. And so I had girlfriends in the class, and we all went out to yakitori and mm. stuff after after class and. Came friends. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so then you got married and then moved to a 90-year-old 
Japanese fun part? Um, that's not exactly right. Really? So, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we got married and we built our 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 house. It's like an A-frame sort of um, modern Japanese style house, like a ski pa- ski ski cabinish house <laughs> that we would call. And um, and then ten years later. We refer. We renovated my parents-in-law's house. Oh, okay. And um, and we moved in with them, mm. but in separate areas. Right. So, in fact, when we renovated their house, we put in we put back in a lot mm. of the old stuff they had taken out. Mm. So we put back old stuff, and then also modernized mm. other stuff. Right. Like kitchen. Wow, sounds beautiful. Yeah. Right. Well, it's dusty, but. Still beautiful, <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, you know, just marrying into a family, traditional farm family, mm. must be a little difficult. Well, I think it's a lot easier for <clears throat> for me than for a Japanese woman. And in fact, um, in, in those days, it was 1988. Um, nobody really wanted to marry a farmer because they imagined a very hard life, mm. a very traditional life. But um, I, as an American, was given a lot of leeway. Right. So, so she we, can do that, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sort of created our own path. Mm. And my husband was a, a very good cook, and so I saw no reason in the beginning for me to take over my mother-in-law's kitchen because he had already been living at, with his parents for seven years after college, mm. and he had already been, like, manning the kitchen. Because okay. his mother was not a fabulous cook. Mm. So, And by then, she had sort of lost the whole heart of cooking because she had been cooking... You know, scores of years. Ah, uh, okay. You know, you just get tired. Right. But, you know, because your <clears throat> husband was cooking, so that's how you got interested in Japanese cooking? Well, I, I no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I've been cooking since I was a child. Mm. So I'm interested in all kinds of cooking. Okay. So when I first went to Japan, I was madly trying to cook Japanese food from what I saw on TV, and then I got a few books, mm. and I invited friends over, but I f- soon realized, I mean, just on my own, not that anybody said anything. I thought, why am I cooking Japanese food for my Japanese friends when I've only been here for three or four months? Mm. You know, but for, I can, and then I just turned it around and I started cooking Western food. Mm. And um, with three children, we were homeschooling and um, having the fields and various, the food was, the fields were just for our food, but mm. um, just quite busy enough. And so I did, you know, California style, Mexican and, and Indian and, and Italian, but my husband did the Japanese and then but just as the years go went by, mm. I mean I just started doing it because I had to fill the vacuum when he couldn't do it. Mm. And, but we eat all kinds of food. Okay. So uh, your husband was a sensei basically. Or uh, yeah, we never uh, nah, we didn't actually cook together so much because we had small children. Oh, okay. So but when you're living in a country and you're a cook, mm. so you absorb it. Right. And so when I was writing Japanese farm food, I was like, okay, how do you make nikujaga? Mm. And, you know, and he'd say, oh, put a little this in, like, like that, like, like that. And then I would recreate it. And mm. since I've been cooking all of my life, I could recreate it um, on the first try pretty much. Mm. You know, <clears throat> So that's how. It, Great. So life was my sensei. Mm. Well, this is interesting. Rather than going to a culinary school, mm. right? It's more like uh, the wheel mm-hmm. cooking, right? And eventually, you learned a lot—not um, just uh, how to cook Japanese food, but uh, grew to be very respectful to its tradition. Mm, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. and now you seem to be a, um, a little worried about uh, you know future of Japanese cuisine. Mm. Well, I mean, it's not really talked about it too much, but. Um, the, there is a 
big shift towards um, convenience store foods, convenience foods, mm-hmm. um, including convenience store foods, mm. where you can get full-on meals. Right. Um, it's a great boon for the older people because they can get oh, a, a balanced meal that maybe it's got MSG and preservatives, it, preservatives in it, but at least it's well-balanced. It's not like mm. getting a hamburger at McDonald's. But um, I think the people are sort of losing confidence about cooking, mm. and the good foodstuffs are harder and harder to find. Mm. And so, like people in Tokyo, on their way home, they're not going to be able to find, for instance, or there's not a lot of organics either. So mm. you can't just on your way home find organic tofu, right. miso, soy sauce. And so what they shelve at the, at the supermarket is what they shelve at a lot of supermarkets here is not very great quality mm. stuff but certainly if they try if somebody tries someone tries hard they can find good ingredients we're lucky because in our town we have an organic soy sauce miso tofu natto mm. pickling place right by the way you, where you live is uh, not far away from tokyo right. but it's uh, quite a countryside farms and traditional mm-hmm. yeah it's 50 minutes on the bullet train but a couple hours on the mm. on the regular train that's mm. uh, mm. semi rural japan doesn't really have a lot of zoning so We've got a car wash down the street, and I mean, Seven Eleven here and there, and dry cleaning shop, and right. people's businesses are often on top of their house, mm. you know. So, um, their fields. But it sounds like, you know, you are surrounded by all those classic traditional producers of great food. We're very lucky that right. our area also is a. Um, is an organic area. Mm, okay. um, we have th- one of the most well respected and long term, longest term um, organic farmers in in the Kanto area. Mm. Um, he, uh, he's been, his family's been doing it for over, over mm. 50 years, maybe close to 60 years, okay. the Suka family. Right. And they do, they do natural farming, which is called Shizen Noho, mm. so you know, in Japanese. And they don't just farm organically, they don't put animal products in the field. Mm, okay. So it's um, a really special type mm. of farming, and we're very lucky to have them in our next town. Right. And my husband grows things that way, too. Mm. Well, you mentioned that there's not much organic food supply because there's no whole foods, I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but also, but still, people are trying to be moving towards more organic, you think? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, like, Japan always seems to be just a little bit off of what's happening in trends happening in America mm. or U.S., whatever. Um, there's certainly young people who are moving to local areas mm. people concerned about i mean after fukushima there was a lot of people that moved out of that area mm. and moved to rural areas um we live near these small little um mountains and so mm. having mountains close by you get um, people looking for an alternative lifestyle mm. and so the i make soy sauce with a group um and the people that organize it is this young couple mm. who are living up in this teeny little town they've moved from a from an urban area to mm. rural area so yeah, I mean, it's reviving. I think probably preserving. There's there's less and less grandmothers doing the preserving because they're getting older, and probably the 50-, 60-year-old set is not really is too busy to still do it. And um, there's a revival, and I think that, you know, it might even be single men who might be more interested for some reason, for looking hobbies, mm-hmm. you know, Um but definitely, it's it's on the rise. But also, Japan didn't have a, a lot of internet access, and so hmm. yeah, that's weird, interesting. <clears throat> and that's funny, because, <laughs> but people didn't have regularly computers in their home. They had a, an internet access cell phone before computers in the home, right. you know. But um, 
and we had Wi-Fi was very slow to get, get to Japan mm -hmm. in in the house, but um, yeah, they are connected, but not in the way we do. It's more so, like a phone based. Yeah, yeah, say. exactly. But um, now, because of the use of internet, that even if the producer doesn't have internet access or a, a website, there's some way you can find these mm -hmm. artisanal products, and that's mm -hmm. what's really changed. So. All of a sudden, Japan is like wide open for all of these cool mm. local products. I okay. mean, totally findable right. if you put effort in. And also, I think, uh, well, last year, in December, mm -hmm. Japanese cuisine was named as uh, the World Heritage. Right. So there's a movement by the government. Absolutely. The government wants to make sure we, they, I mean, I say we, but I'm not a Japanese citizen. I live there. Um, live up to the title and keep it. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Right. So... Okay, so in other words, there's uh, the crisis, but uh, including you, so there are people pushing oh, yeah, yeah. the tradition towards staying and alive. The great thing about Japan is it's a small country, and it's a country that historically has been able to change really quickly mm. on various points. Mm. And so those artisanal, you know, production, that, that artisanal production is still in place. Mm. We haven't lost it, so just... Shouting it from the rooftops is a way to keep it. And mm. having people actually use these products, value these products, you know, not just pick up the cheapest one, but why is this one more expensive? Because it's, it's not because it's fancier. Mm. It's because it's been aged for two years in cedar barrels. And oh, by the way, these are organic Japanese soybeans, right. which make up 0.003% of the production in Japan. Mm. You know, so very special. Right. Well, the, actually, I was reading your book, uh, The Preserving the Japanese Way, which gonna, we're going to talk about in a mm -hmm. moment. But uh, in the book, you say, craftsmen, farmers, fishermen, and local artisanal producers of traditional Japanese foods all contributed to the crucial fabric of Japan. Yeah. And they represent the heart of Japan and the deep pride that Japan, Japanese have. So, do you think that traditional Japanese workers have different mindset attitudes? Oh, uh, absolutely. What, yeah, what they do. Yeah, um, <clears throat> there's. It's so deeply ingrained to do a good job and a good job for because they respect the job itself. Mm. And it was mind blowing for me. One time, I was thinking of a topic for a, a, a talk, and I explored the idea of this and. I thought about, oh my God, what about those people that clean the trains? Mm. Even the people that clean the trains, this is what you would say is a menial job maybe, but they do it with such pride and they do it so well mm -hmm. and they're wearing these jaunty caps, right. you know? And so the job itself is so well valued. Mm. Now, how that will continue is a question because of the education system mm -hmm. and because of the lack of, um, I think the younger people are not as inclined to become an apprentice, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, I was happy that my 20-year-old just decided to become an apprentice for our soba master. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a five, six-year commitment, means working six days a week from mm -hmm. you know, 12, 13, 14-hour days. It's a big commitment. It is. But you become a master at something. Now, how mm. amazing is that? Right. And that the longevity of it, the time you put in, mm. that's something that we tried to teach our children through right. homeschooling and through what they did. But right. What that reminds me of, I mean, when I grew up, I went to Japanese elementary school, mm. and uh, everybody was in charge of cleaning the classroom after uh, yeah. class. And uh, something like, you know, when you fly out of Japan, you mm. see uh, all the mechanics bow. 
to you for <gasps> safety, and that makes me cry almost every time. So I think that's I've forgotten it. that. I don't look out the window very much. <laughs> You're right, though. That's true. Yeah. yeah, there's a deep respect for the job, and I and I, that's something that's very moving. Mm. Right. Okay. And uh, I think there's another quote from the book, and your husband said, "Japanese believe there's a soul in every object." Every part of life, and they don't even think about it. It's in their DNA, so it is impossible not to do a good job.、Mm, it would、mm-hmm. be disrespectful to the soul of Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why th- simple things, like for instance, fish sauce, Japanese fish sauce, which is totally not available here,、mm. it's just so good because it's so well made. And because the respect started from the fishermen、mm. taking the fish from the sea,、right. and how they fish is, you know, it's got that long tradition of knowing that the fish、mm. needs to stay fresh.、Mm. Right. It's almost the passing of life from the fisherman to the other person to the table, like the responsibility.、Mm. Everything along the way is crucial.、Right. Yeah.、Mm. So, is that another reason that you collect your antique cookware to preserve?、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, because if something you pass by something and and it's ten dollars and it's fifty, sixty, seventy years old bowl or basket or box,、mm. how can you not buy it? Ten、right. dollars, you know. Right. Is、so、it a flea market? So yeah. Right. Great. Yes. All right. And、uh, maybe could could you give us an example of a Japanese? Artisanal products. I mean, the food could be, or maybe cookware. Well, for cookware, I always say the thing you, the the most useful tool in in my kitchen is the sudibachi.、Mm. It's a grooved bowl. It's a grinding bowl, but you could use it, and we use it for grinding, mostly for grinding sesame, or、um, sometimes walnuts for kurumiae,、mm. mm-hmm. um, and、um, or grinding tofu. But I also use it for like French food for brandad or、mm. for for making chilorio for、um, burritos,、mm. um, so for pounding meat or fish.、Mm. Um, so it's useful for all cuisines. Right.、Um, but the, the key is to get a big one, and you can buy them in in New York at Corin.、Um, yeah, Corin in Tribeca. Yes, like and, a nice company. And right,、work. and they have them online. But I I buy mine.、Um, I buy antique ones because、mm. they're bigger and they.、Um, Don't seem to be a popular item for people to re- to rebuy.、Oh, okay, right. Like, But you, once you own it, you really find it useful. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, that piece is is almost extinct in the Japanese kitchen. You think so? I know so. Ah,、oh, that's、yeah. so sad. Yeah. In fact, Japanese. Some I went to a home center and I wanted to get another one of the pestles.、Mm. It's called a sudikogi, as you know.、Mm. And the thirty-year-old woman. Who I asked did not even know what that word meant. Oh wow! And I went around to various home centers who couldn't find them, and I had to go to the traditional Japanese hardware store to get one. Oh and no! And basically, everybody who I talked to, because I ask questions a lot, and they say, "Oh yeah, I don't use that anymore. These grinder or mixer, you know, those、mm. kind of things. There's more." But it's sad. Right. Well, I like the feeling when I. Great,、uh, the sesame seeds. You smell、Grind、it,、them. and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really,、um, you know, some、uh, vibration. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely,、something. it's very tactile. But、um, there's some very simple Japanese ingredients, and 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 and, and like the bowls that are the the food culture drastically changed after the war、mm. because these heavy bowls, these heavy pots. 
they were just too heavy. Right. People were looking for a light feeling, mm. um, a light feeling in their life in many ways, and just physically and also just mentally, I think. Right. And food-wise, too, um, the, the country was depressed, and so um, to feed the country or to keep them in soy sauce, mm. big soy sauce producers or big vinegar makers, they started making very cheap, right. quick products mm-hmm. to get the product out there. Right. Um, it's a way, it was just a way of life, and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, mm. it's just how it happened. Right. But well, this sounds like it's a parallel from, uh, with what's happening here because mm-hmm. you know everybody's looking back, and then oh, whole food system is destroyed. So everybody goes to now goes to the uh, green market, and yeah, sustainable. So sounds like uh, the same thing's happening in Japan yes. too. And in Tokyo, they there was a flea, uh, 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 farmers market. Um, and recently, it's there is a farmers market, and it's recently become um, excellent. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it was not so good. Mm. Yeah, like here too, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in New York City Green Market. Right. Um, so let's talk about your books because I think your philosophy is summarized in the books. Mm-hmm. So first, why did you write the first book, uh, Japanese Farm Food, that mm-hmm. was published in 2012? And according to the book review on Amazon, it's uh, it's not just a book about Japanese food. It's about love, life on the farm, and the community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, why I wrote the book was because um, David Leavenpitz told me I should. <laughs> but no, um, I had never seen a book like that, the food that we ate. And um, most of the Japanese cookbooks that I had seen were more um, what I call town food, more mm-hmm. stylized food. Mm-hmm. More We just would never ate that food ever, mm-hmm. ever. Um, I'd seen it in restaurants, but it was restaurant food for me, the stuff in the books. And it was also female cooking. Mm. And I guess I'm much more uh, attracted to male cooking. Mm. Um, so my husband um, doesn't use sugar, which was the how Japanese food, I mean, post-war, there's a lot more sugar happening mm. in the food. But in town food, he uses more sugar because the vegetables don't taste good. So you got to add ah. something, you know. But our food came from the fields and so it was all about the vegetables mm. and the, the products and we always used good soy sauce and good vinegar and mm. um, and um, and then there was my friend Kanchan who was a soba restaurant and mm. some of the dishes were from him and then uh, so basically that's what it was all about just the food we ate mm. and I just wanted to say hey here it is and here is the country mm. the, how I know it like the people I know they're direct mm. they're easily approachable mm. they're not a big mystery the food is not a big mystery but this is how we eat so right. if somebody says it's not authentic <laughs> they don't know because in fact that's how we eat and mm. we are a Japanese family so right. I mean there there's different paradigms in Japanese food so a lot of the books are out there they're they're, it's not that they're not authentic, they're just different, mm-hmm. you know. Right, and it's the, that, you know, the love and life from the farm part, that's, you know, uh, from the products from uh, the soil, but mm. and the community, uh, is that something you help each other uh, with other farmers or how? Yeah, the community, so, you know, the community parent was that you had people on your street, the Han, mm-hmm. and you did community activities together whether Mm. they were matsuri festivals or deaths Mm. or weddings but as people stopped being farmers they stopped being available Mm. to they couldn't just stop their company job to help out on these things so the this small community group Mm. has sort of 
gone by the wayside by the, for the most part, but our community involved is not our immediate neighbors, but like the soy sauce people, the, mm. my, my friend who, um, who grows things for our miso and soy sauce group, but also has a little mayonnaise factory. And mm. I, my husband used to supply him with eggs and our farming friend. And so we're all, mm. and uh, my guy, my friend who's a, a foreign group fit, couple who have a natural food mm. company and so it's that sort of community right it's more in between rather than just having two apartments together and then meet each mm. other it's more kind of deeply yeah it's and it's sort of supportive and mutually supportive mm. right and uh so what is japanese farm food what is the difference from regular japanese food i mean you said it's not stylized but yeah well uh, just what i said i mean you go to the field, you, mm-hmm. you, you pick a bunch of mm-hmm. greens or broccoli or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and then you're just going to make a big mm-hmm. dish, nice. like goma, you do the mm-hmm. sesame treatment, or you're going to saute it with miso and mm-hmm. uh, saute it with oil and then add miso at the end, nice. you know, or, so, or, uh, or soy sauce, or right. it's so, just going to be very simple. Right, but it sounds like, uh, you know, if you go to the supermarket, you choose. But uh, in the farm life, you are chosen by the, the produce in a way. Right, that, exactly. That so whatever's ready is what you're eating. And even if we buy vegetables, um, our friends, we do buy vegetables from our, um, our local friends, and they have a little table at the, at the local J, mm-hmm. Japan agriculture shop. And there's maybe a variety of five, if you're lucky, organic vegetables. And that's what I'm going to use. Mm. But it's actually very freeing because there's such a small group of choice mm. so that you don't have to make the choice right okay all right so now let's take a quick break here and uh, when we come back we'll talk about nancy's uh, latest book about japanese pickling so please stay with us This is Dave Arnold from Cooking Issues, and I'm here to talk to you about the Museum of Food and Drink, which is finally getting a brick-and-mortar space right here in Brooklyn, New York. So the Museum of Food and Drink is opening the MOFAD Lab, our first laboratory and gallery space, where we will be putting on an exhibition called Making It or Faking It, the history of the flavor industry. It tackles a very important uh, topic, which is how the food system got to be the way it is now uh, as a result of the intervention of the flavor industry, how that happened. Get your tickets at tickets.mofad.org to come see the first exhibit ever of the Museum of Food and Drink at the MOFAD Lab, brought to you by Infinity on 62 Bayard Street. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Japan Eats, broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Nancy Singleton Hachisu, who is a long-time resident of Japan, cook, and author of two books, 
Japanese farm food and the preserving the Japanese way, which just came out in August. So, tell us about the new book, Preserving the Japanese Way, and it's Uh, how important is preserving in Japan, first of all? <laughs> <laughs> preserving is,、um, well, it's a thousand year old tradition.、Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the modern methods sort of、um, were developed in Edo period,、mm-hmm. uh, last, like, was it 300 years ago or、mm-hmm. so? 300 or 400 years ago.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, preserving, it's, there's pickling and preserving. And pickling. Is typically not a, pic- a pickle that like, we think of as Western pickles.、Mm. Pickles are not vinegar based. Right, okay. Yeah, they're salt、mm. based. Salt includes miso or soy sauce、mm. um, and、uh, fish sauce.、Um, and so, salt based pickles,、mm. you know, they leach out liquid. And so,、mm. they're not something that's going to be holding for a long time. Okay. They're quick pickles.、Mm-hmm. And then, and, and they typically use some sort of artisanal product like salt or preserved product like soy sauce, miso,、mm-hmm. um, um, uh, fish sauce. Also, sake leaves、mm-hmm. are, are used for. for、yeah. um, sake leaves are interesting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. It's at the, it converts the texture, like break it down, and then add some of umami. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, and recently, koji, the.、Mm-hmm. Um, The spore,、um, rice koji, has become a popular、mm. um, little method for doing. We would make a concoction called shio koji, salt koji, or soy、mm. sauce koji.、Um, it's developed by this woman in Oita,、mm-hmm. um, Oita Prefecture.、Um, very、yeah. easy to make.、Right. And that shio koji became、uh, such a big boom. Everybody、mm. bought it, and the stores all sold out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Right. Now the boom is over. Okay. <laughs> They come and go quickly. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, still available. But、um, yeah, koji's been around, but it was not,、mm. it was around in a sort of not very great form. It was a cake form that、mm. I, my husband used it for making dobudoku,、uh, like a homemade,、mm. it's not sake, it's a homemade sake drink, you know,、mm-hmm. um, or some sort of preserving of fish.、Mm. Um, but now we can get good rice koji because of. The, the koji boom. Okay. The, the shio koji boom. Interesting.、Mm-hmm. Then, then there's, so that's, those are pickles.、Mm. And the beauty of that is that they're really easy to make. So 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes,、mm. and you can eat them.、Um, and they will, they'll involve various aromatics and, or like ginger or hot pepper, or they could be、um, using some.、Um, You could use umeboshi,、mm. the salted pickle plums. So, you're using fermented products to make a quick pickle、mm. or katsubushi. Right. You know?、Um, and that's kind of a beautiful idea, I think, for, because it's, it's done quickly and you can eat it right away. Right. And then there's the preservation, hosonshoku,、mm. and that's for keeping and、okay. generally done in the winter.、Mm. Um, and some of the, you know, the, the quintessential too in the winter is the takwan,、mm-hmm. the half dried daikon pickle、right. in, in rice bran. And then also、um, the haksai,、uh, napa cabbage,、mm. salted napa cabbage, very similar to the sauerkraut method,、mm. but just a different flavor profile.、Mm. Um, and those are,、uh, those were in, going to be the hardest pickle I put in the book. Along with the umeboshi, the、mm. summer one. But then I just got 
sucked into the rabbit hole and found more and more and more and more interesting methods that I thought, I mean, they're not available in English. So I thought, okay, I'll put them in the book mm. and as methods. And so all those crazy preserver, preserving people are mm. out there, culturing people, you know, go at it right. and give it a try. Yeah. Does it include, I think uh, I read an article about this book and then there's salt pickled chopped fish that takes three years to be ready. To be eaten. Is that in the book? Oh, yeah. A fish sauce. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, do you have an example and a quick version to motivate uh, listeners to buy the book? Maybe. A uh, quick version? Um, well, like I said, I think those, all the quick pickles. But what I think is very special about this book is that for me, Japanese farm food, okay, that was the food we ate. Those, that was our community. I wanted to introduce mm. what the Japan that I knew, the direct, real, Honest Japan. Okay. Mm. Then this book, I wanted to really focus on the producers because,、mm-hmm. because of them, the, guy that, the guys that make salt or the, the, the pe-、mm, there's women making salt too, but it seems to be men a lot.、Mm. Um, but the people that make salt、uh, and why is it so special and what is it they're doing? And you know, these are all small producers that are probably not making a lot of money, I'm going to say.、Mm-hmm. You know, the miso producers, the, the soy sauce. Fish sauce. I mean, all the producers, we should be so thankful、mm. that they're keeping at it. Right. Because they're craftsmen. They're not、mm. doing it for making money. Right. And a lot of them,、um, along the way, there's been, I've noticed a trend of the, se- the son goes to Tokyo for college,、mm. university, then comes back, or the daughter, and comes back after about 10 years、mm. to the father's company and takes over. And so, so you have to really laud them. For applaud them for you know coming back、mm. and taking over this artisanal production, right? Because,、um, without it, we wouldn't be able to have we wouldn't be able to have. So, why are these little quick pickles? Why are they so delicious? Because you have excellent vegetables,、mm. farm organic vegetables,、mm. and then this incredible soy sauce or incredible miso. Then, of course, it's going to be fabulous together, right? right. And so, with a just a Any old miso or any old soy sauce and any old supermarket vegetable,、mm. it's not going to be elevated very far. Right. Okay. So that was important for me, the、mm. producers. Right. Okay. And,、uh, you know, basically, there's great ingredients and everything. And you can actually support those artisanal producers by buying things at the higher premium price. But what, what do you think is a.、Uh, Meaningful to preserve things by yourself. It takes time and effort. so Oh, well, I think it's also about yourself. Like, it's the challenge.、Mm. And it's actually doesn't take that much time and effort because these are methods by people who are busy people, like farmers are busy people, or、right. fishermen are busy people.、Mm. And so it's not a big elaborate. Production,、right. but it just takes time、mm. and good fish or good salt or good soybeans. Miso, for instance, is I mean, it's really easy to make、mm. on a small basis, right? Well, actually, it used to be that every single new wife had to have a recipe of her own miso, every、uh. single family. <laughs> So, yeah, that's a famous thing. And then, yeah, you're right. It should be quick and easy once you know how to do it. Well, you know, even miso, you know, I mistreated my miso so badly this summer. I was quite busy. I think I stirred it three times maximum. 
and it still is delicious. You're mm. supposed to stir once, starting in May, once a month, and then every two weeks, and then once a week. And out of the summer, you're going to be stirring it ten times and or more. <laughs> and my poor little miso, two, three times max. That sounds like a kid. <laughs> you <can laughs> Neglected, <do it. laughs> but, but still delicious. <laughs> right. Okay. And, uh, and But also I wanted to say that the book is not just about pickling and preserving. Mm, it's also mm. about how do you use miso okay. or how do you use there's, – there's recipes for using the, the product mm, too. Right. And there's an extensive, detailed, precise explanation of each, each product. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. I was impressed. How I was to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, by the way, you started to be on the media by word of mouth reputation a while ago. And uh, currently, you travel around Japan and visit local artisanal producers mm-hmm. uh, for a weekly TV program. Mm-hmm. So what kind of people do you feature? Well, like I said, the people that are doing a really good job, like there's a soy sauce guy in Anshodoshima who's, um, who's making his soy sauce still in the, the barrels. Mm-hmm. Our soy sauce producer, of course, is using the cedar barrels. But this guy, not only is he still using his you know, the, his family's barrels, but he started to make, mm. with his with his local carpenters, he started a whole project to make ah. these large, they're actually called buckets in Japanese, but mm-hmm. these large barrel, cedar barrels. Right. That Is it much bigger than a human being? Right? Oh, yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's only one producer in Japan who's making them, mm. in all of Japan. Oh, wow. And they're about to stop being able to make them because they have nobody to take over their company. Mm. And so this... One soy sauce maker, um, it's uh, Yamaroku Soy Sauce mm. in on Shodoshima. He's re- he's reviving the the making of barrels, oh, wow. and so he's got two things going now. It's fairly impressive. So that mm. kind of thing, or um, yeah, I've, but by the way, so the what's the difference when it comes to the taste of the soy? Which it's um, made in a wooden barrel. Do you have any? It's uh, more round. It's more deep. Mm. It's not just the barrel, though. It's also the the, the koji that the, the koji that the, the how the koji has been cultured on the soybeans and, and barley. Mm. So the culturing of koji itself is a whole art. Mm. Also, and 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 the 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 natural enzymes and spores that are hanging around in the area that's. Where the the soy right. sauce has been made, mm-hmm. they're not yeasts, but they're they're like wild yeasts, okay. you know. So, it's the whole and the beans themselves. There's just so mm. much going on. Oh, it sounds like an old brewery or something. Oh yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Right. So activity within the the wood. But I mean, it's like I make miso with my friends, and and also from the from rice koji from um, Yamaki, the, the our local organic mm. soy sauce place, and they're totally different taste mm. because you can taste the years that have gone into the developing of this koji strain ah. it's pretty amazing and i'm i mean i they're, they're fermenting side by side interesting very sweet very dark mm. okay and uh and then that, that was a really interesting and I, <laughs> I watched actually the program and then that soy is so deep and rich that you can put it on ice cream like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good like that yeah <laughs> Right, and but how do you find those uh, interesting producers? Uh, yeah, it's through word of mouth or mm-hmm. from research or you know, basically like that. Mm. 
Okay. And uh, there should be plenty, but the Sohin, then they need uh, some sort of promotion. Absolutely. Being known and they Absolutely. purchase. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. It's and, my mission. Mm. And also, you, um, you have a part of the project, Japan Brand Project, by mm-hmm. the Japanese government mm-hmm. to promote those uh, producers too. Mm-hmm. So, what is that? Well, it's not the, by the government, but they're supporting it. Mm-hmm. This, our particular project is getting better ingredients to um, foreign countries. Mm. Right now, first, it's the United States. Okay. Getting good rice vin- uh, organic rice vinegar, good so- soy sauce. Mm. And it's the same soy sauce that Nama show you that's been sold by Osawa. It's our local soy sauce. Mm-hmm. But now the company will be also, also exporting directly. Mm. And they're misos. Okay. And this delicious ponzu that mm. was made for the project at my behest. Mm. And so I'm just like the third part of this. It's the soy sauce people and the organic vinegar people. And then I just give advice mm. and promotional um, and put my name on it, whatever that, <laughs> whatever that means. Mm. Right, but that's great because the Japanese market is kind of, it's not totally saturated for that kind of premium product, but it's better considering how Japanese food is popular here. It's better for yeah, the, it's the small farmers. There's not that many great ingredients I'm going to say here. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. right. I bring my own. Mm. Oh, speaking of, uh, I learned that you make your own soy, soy sauce, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, different vintages. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because different years you're pressing it. Mm. Right. Well, I don't think many Japanese people, I haven't seen somebody bottling by the vintage in Japan either. <laughs> well, I mean, you press it in a certain year. Mm-hmm. And so then, in that case, it is a vintage, right. you know. Okay. Yeah. Right. And uh, right now, your husband, both of you farm on the. I haven't done anything on the field since. I was writing Japanese farm food. I have no time. Okay. Um, and we might, we've never sold vegetables. It's mm. only just for the f- food for the family. Mm. But so, but my husband, his free range egg business was destroyed by the freak snowstorms last year. Oh. So actually for the first time he is selling what he's growing. He's growing wheat and soybeans for mm. the uh, organic soy, plus, soy sauce company. Right. So now... He is an official, okay. <laughs> but a farmer is just, um, they have a farming lifestyle, mm. agrarian lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Right. And uh, what's your next plan? Next plan, I'm writing a book for Fiden, um, Japan, the cookbook. And that'll be out in um, the spring of 2018. Okay. And tonight and tomorrow, dinner at Marlowe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marlowe and Sons. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, so you're going to cook uh, something? Uh, Ken's cooking, but I'll be there. Okay. Yeah. I brought a, a bunch of stuff okay. to use. Yeah. Right. So, so all the artisanal ingredients mm-hmm. are there waiting, Okay. being so, cooked as we speak. Yeah, so for the listeners who wanted to be then try your food, and basically yeah. the Marlowe and the Sons in Brooklyn? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so um, thank you for joining us today, Nancy. Thank you, Akiko. Yeah, I was glad to come. Yeah, well, so please come back. Okay. <laughs> with your, of course, with your, the next book, the third oh, book. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. But before 2018, please. Yes. So um, if you'd like to know more about uh, Nancy's books and activities, please visit nancysingletonhachisu.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, please contact us at heritageradionetwork.org. And by the way, we just launched a beautiful new website, so please visit that page, 
In Japanese, it's live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher Podcast. Today's show was made possible by Santori, and our engineer is Liz Smith. I will see you next week. Program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>